Chapter Five of the Prairie Traveller. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Prairie Traveller by Randolph B. Marcy. Chapter Five, Part One. Bivouacs, Tant d'Abri, Gutta Percha Knapsack Tent, Comanche Lodge, Sibley Tent, Camp Furniture, Litters, Rapid Travelling. Bivouacs and Tents. In traveling with pack animals, it is not always convenient or practicable to transport tents, and the traveler's ingenuity is often taxed in devising the most available means for making himself comfortable and secure against winds and storms. I have often been astonished to see how soon an experienced voyager, without any resources save those provided by nature, will erect a comfortable shelter in a place where a person having no knowledge of woodcraft would never think of such a thing almost all people in different parts of the world have their own peculiar method of bivouacking in the severe climate of tibet dr hooker informs us that they encamp near large rocks which absorb the heat during the day and give it out slowly during the night they form as it were reservoirs of caloric the influence of which is exceedingly grateful during a cold night in the polar regions the eskimo live and make themselves comfortable in huts of ice or snow and with no other combustible but oil the natives of Australia bury their bodies in the sand, keeping their heads only above the surface, and thus sleep warm during the chilly nights of that climate. Fortunately for the health and comfort of travellers upon the plains, the atmosphere is pure and dry during the greater part of the year, and it is seldom that any rain or dew is seen. Neither are there marshes or ponds of stagnant water to generate putrid exhalations and poisonous malaria. The night air of the summer months is soft, exhilarating, and delightful persons may therefore sleep in it and inhale it with perfect impunity and indeed may prefer this to breathing the confined atmosphere of a house or tent during the rainy season only is it necessary to seek shelter in travelling with covered wagons one always has protection from storms but with pack trains it becomes necessary to improvise the best substitutes for tents a very secure protection against storms may be constructed by planting firmly in the ground two upright poles with forks at their tops and crossing them with a light pole laid in the forks a gutta-percha cloth or sheet of canvas or in the absence of either of these two blankets may be attached by one side to the horizontal pole the opposite edge being stretched out to the windward at an angle of about forty five degrees to the ground and there fastened with wooden pins or with buckskin strings tied to the lower border of the cloth and to pegs driven firmly into the earth this forms a shelter for three or four men and is a good defence against winds and rains if a fire be then made in front the smoke will be carried away so as not to incommode the occupants of the bivouac this is called a half-faced camp another method practised a great deal among mountain men and indians consists in placing several rough poles equidistant around a half-circle and bringing the small ends together at the top where they are bound with a thong this forms the conical framework of the bivouac which when covered with a cloth stretched around it makes a very good shelter and is preferable to the half-faced camp because the sides are covered when no cloths blankets or hides are at hand to be placed over the poles of the lodge it may be covered with green boughs laid on compactly so as to shed a good deal of rain and keep out the wind in cold weather we adopted this description of shelter in crossing the rocky mountains during the winter of eighteen fifty seven fifty eight and thus formed a very effectual protection against the bleak winds which sweep with great violence over those lofty and inhospitable sierras we always selected a dense thicket for our encampment and covered the lodges with a heavy coating of pine boughs waddling them together as completely as possible and piling snow upon the outside in such a manner as to make them quite impervious to the wind 
the fires were then kindled at the mouths of the lodges and our heads and bodies were completely sheltered while our feet were kept warm by the fires the french troops while serving in the crimea used what they called the tente d'abri or shelter tent which seems to have been received with great favour in europe it is composed of two four or six square pieces of cloth with buttons and buttonholes adjusted upon the edges and is pitched by planting two upright stakes in the ground at a distance corresponding with the length of the canvas when buttoned together the two sticks are connected by a cord passed around the top of each drawn tight and the ends made fast to pins driven firmly into the ground the canvas is then laid over the rope between the sticks spread out at an angle of about forty five degrees and the lower edges secured to the earth with wooden pins this makes some defence against the weather and was the only shelter enjoyed by the mass of the french army in the crimea up to october eighteen fifty five for a permanent camp it is usual to excavate a shallow basement under the tent and to bank up the earth on the outside in cold weather it is designed that upon marches the tente d'abri shall be taken to pieces and carried by the soldiers a tent has recently been prepared by mr john ryder one sixty five broadway new york which is called the tent knapsack it has been examined by a board of army officers and recommended for adoption in our military service this tent is somewhat similar to the tente d'abri and is pitched in the same manner but it has the advantage that each separate piece may be converted into a waterproof knapsack the following extracts from the report of the board go to show that this tent knapsack will be useful to parties travelling on the prairies with pack trains it is a piece of gutta-percha five feet three inches long and three feet eight inches wide with double edges on one side and brass studs and buttonholes along two edges and straps and buckles on the fourth edge the whole weighing three pounds two sticks three feet eight inches long by one and one quarter inches in diameter and a small cord when used as a knapsack the clothing is packed in a cotton bag and the gutta-percha sheet is folded round it lapping at the ends the clothing is thus protected by two or three thicknesses of gutta-percha and in this respect there is a superiority over the knapsack now used by our troops other advantages are that the tent knapsack has no seams the parts at which those in use wear out soonest it adapts itself to the size of the contents so that a compact and portable bundle can be made whether the kit be entire or not and with the cotton bag it forms a convenient commodious and durable receptacle for all a soldier's clothing and necessaries on a scout a soldier usually carries only a blanket overcoat and at most a single shirt pair of drawers and a pair of socks all of which can be packed in the tent knapsack in a small bundle perfectly protected from rain and capable of being suspended from the shoulders and carried with comfort and ease during a march second as a shelter the studs and eyelets along two edges of the tent knapsack are for the purpose of fastening a number of them together and thus making a sheet of larger dimensions a sheet formed by fastening together four knapsacks was exhibited to the board stretched upon a frame of wood when used in service the sheet is to be stretched on a rope supported by two poles or by two rifles muskets or carbines and pinned down at the sides with six pins three on each side the sheet of four knapsacks is ten feet six inches long and seven feet four inches wide and when pitched on a rope four feet four inches above the ground covers a horizontal space six feet six inches wide and seven feet four inches long which will accommodate five men and may be made to shelter seven the sheet can also be used on the ground and is a great protection from dampness and as a shawl or talma indeed a variety of advantageous uses to which the gutta-percha sheet may be put will suggest themselves to persons using it the board is satisfied with its merits in all the uses to which it is proposed to be put and is of the opinion that the gutta-percha tent knapsack may be adopted in the military service with advantage 
the usual tenement of the prairie tribes and of the traders trappers and hunters who live among them is the comanche lodge which is made of eight straight peeled poles about twenty feet long covered with hides or cloth the lodge is pitched by connecting the smaller extremities of three of the poles with one end of a long line the three poles are then raised perpendicularly and the larger extremities spread out in a tripod to the circumference of the circle that is to form the base of the lodge the other poles are then raised laid into the forks of the three first and spread out equidistant upon the circle thus forming the conical framework of the structure nine or ten poles are generally used in one lodge the long line attached to the tripod is then wound several times around the top where the poles intersect and the lower end made fast to the base of the lodge thus securing the frame firmly in position the covering made of buffalo hides dressed without the hair and cut and sewed together to fit the conical framework is raised with a pole spread out around the structure and united at the edges with sharpened wooden pegs leaving sufficient space open at the bottom for a doorway which may be closed with a blanket spread out with two small sticks and suspended over the opening the lower edge of the lodge is made fast to the ground with wooden pins the apex is left open with a triangular wing or flap on each side and the windward flap constantly stretched out by means of a pole inserted into a pocket at the end of it which causes it to draw like a sail and thus occasions a draught from the fire built upon the ground in the centre of the lodge and makes it warm and comfortable in the coldest winter weather canvas makes a very good substitute for the buffalo skin covering sibley tent a tent has been invented by major h h sibley of the army which is known as the sibley tent it is somewhat similar to the comanche lodge but in place of the conical framework of poles it has but one upright standard resting upon an iron tripod in the centre the tripod can be used to suspend cooking utensils over the fire and when folded up admits the wooden standard between the legs thereby reducing the length one-half and making it more convenient for packing and travelling this tent constituted the entire shelter of the army in utah during the winter of eighteen fifty seven fifty eight and notwithstanding the severity of the climate in the elevated locality of camp scott the troops were quite comfortable and pleased with the tent in permanent camps the sibley tent may be so pitched as to give more room by erecting a tripod upon the outside with three poles high and stout enough to admit of the tents being suspended by ropes attached to the apex this method dispenses with the necessity of the central upright standard when the weather is very cold the tent may be made warmer by excavating a basement about three feet deep which also gives a wall to the tent making it more roomy the tent used in the army will shelter comfortably twelve men captain g rhodes of the english army in his recent work upon tents and tent life has given a description of most of the tents used in the different armies in europe but in my judgment none of them in point of convenience comfort and economy will compare with the sibley tent for campaigning in cold weather one of its most important features that of admitting of a fire within it and of causing a draught by the disposition of the wings is not that i am aware possessed by any other tent moreover it is exempt from the objections that are urged against some other tents on account of insalubrity from want of top ventilation to carry off the impure air during the night camp furniture the accompanying illustration presents some convenient articles of portable camp furniture camp chair number one camp chair number one is of oak or other hardwood figure one represents it open for use in figure two it is closed for transportation a is a stout canvas forming the back and seat b b b are iron butt hinges c c are leather straps one inch and a quarter wide forming the arms d is an iron rod with a nut and screw at one end camp chairs number two and three 
Camp chair number two is made of sticks tied together with thongs of buckskin or rawhide. Camp chair number three is a very comfortable seat made of a barrel, the part forming the seat being filled with grass. Camp table. Figure one represents the table folded for transportation. In figure two it is spread out for use. A is the top of the table. A, A are sideboards, and C, C are endboards, turning on butt hinges, B, B, B. Field cot number one. Field cot number two. Field cots. In number one, A represents the cot put up for use. B, the cot folded for transportation. The legs turn upon iron bolts running through the head and footboards. They are then placed upon the canvas, and the whole is rolled up around the side pieces. In number two, the upper figure represents the cot put up for use. The lower shows it folded for transportation. A is a stout canvas. B, B are iron butt hinges. C, C the legs. D, D leather straps with buckles, which hold the legs firm. F, F ends, which fold upon hinges. G, G crossbars from leg to leg. This cot is strong, light, and portable. Camp Bureau. This cut represents two chests, A, A with their handles. A, A the covers taken off. They are placed one upon the other and secured by the clamps, B, B. D shows the division between the two chests. When it is to be transported, the knobs, C, are unscrewed from the drawers, the looking-glass, F, is removed, the drawers are filled with clothing, etc., and the lids are screwed on. Mess chest. A represents the chest open for table. B is the same closed. C is the upper tray of tin with compartments B, B. E is the lower wooden tray divided into compartments, A, A, for various purposes, and made fast to the bottom of the chest. D.D. are lids opening with hinges. F. in figure B. is a wooden leg, turning upon a hinge, and fitting snugly between two pieces of wood screwed upon the cover. Litters. Should a party traveling with pack animals, and without ambulances or wagons, have one of its members wounded, or taken so sick as to be unable to walk or ride on horseback, a litter may be constructed by taking two poles about twenty feet in length, uniting them by two sticks three feet long, lashed across the center at six feet apart, and stretching a piece of stout canvas, a blanket, or hide between them to form the bed. Two steady horses or mules are then selected, placed between the poles, on the front and rear of the litter, and the ends of the poles made fast to the sides of the animals, either by attachment to the stirrups, or to the ends of straps secured over their backs. The patient may then be placed upon the litter, and is ready for the march. The elasticity of the long poles gives an easy motion to the conveyance, and makes this method of locomotion much more comfortable than might be supposed. The prairie Indians have a way of transporting their sick and children upon a litter very similar in construction to the one just described, excepting that one animal is used instead of two. One end of the litter is made fast to the sides of the animal, while the other is left to trail upon the ground. A projection is raised for the feet to rest against, and prevent the patient from sliding down. Instead of canvas, the Indians sometimes lash a large willow basket across the poles, in which they place the person to be transported. The animals harnessed to the litter must be carefully conducted upon the march, and caution used in passing over rough and broken ground. Hand litter. A very convenient and comfortable method of packing a sick or wounded man when there are no animals disposable, and which is sometimes resorted to by the Indians, is to take two small poles about ten feet long, and lash three cross pieces to them, one in the center, and the other two about eighteen inches from the ends. A blanket or hide is then secured firmly to this frame, and the patient placed upon it under the center cross-piece, which prevents him from falling out. Two men act as carriers, walking between the ends of the long poles. The patient may be protected against rain or sun by bending small willows over the frame, and covering them with a cloth.
Rapid Traveling Small parties with good animals, light vehicles, and little lading may traverse the plains rapidly and comfortably if the following injunctions be observed. The day's drive should commence as soon as it is light, and where the road is good the animals kept upon a slow trot for about three hours, then immediately turned out upon the best grass that can be found for two hours, thus giving time for grazing and breakfast, after which another drive of about three or four hours may be made, making the noon halt about three hours, when the animals are again harnessed and the journey continued until night. In passing through a country infested by hostile Indians, the evening drive should be prolonged until an hour or two after dark, turning off at a point where the ground is hard, going about half a mile from the road, and encamping without fires in low ground, where the Indians will find it difficult to track or see the party. These frequent halts serve to rest and recruit the animals, so that they will, without injury, make from thirty to forty miles a day for a long time. This, however, can only be done with very light loads and vehicles, such, for example, as an ambulance with four mules, only three or four persons, and a small amount of luggage. End of chapter 5, part 1